0: Hi, I'm Tanil. And I'm Kelsey. And we're financial advisors from Allman Partners True Wealth, bringing you thought provoking conversations around you, your money, and your life on the Wealth Experience Podcast. Welcome back to Wealth Experience Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the concepts of paying down debt and saving cash, particularly in an an environment where interest rates are increasing and as is the cost of living. Um, So, some of the dilemmas that we're seeing is people are thinking, well, do I save more cash because we don't know where the future is heading? Um, Or do I really start focusing on paying down my debts because the interest rates are increasing and it's becoming um, a bit of a a burden and a little bit scary perhaps? Um, So, the purpose of today's podcast is to provide Provide a little bit of insight and some tips on how to save money in this type of environment and if that's actually right for you to be doing or if you should be paying down debt and certainly it's not personal advice or tailored to anyone's um, circumstances but more of a, a generalized view around you know some of the things to start thinking about. So Tenille let's wind it back and talk about some of the basic concepts around the purpose of the cash and and benefits there
1: absolutely well first of all when we're talking about cash that can mean different things to different people Uh, so uh, when we're talking about cash in reality we're talking about money in the bank here we're not talking about dollar bills that you keep under the pillow or in that locked jar somewhere Um, we're talking about money in the bank
0: do people Um, still do that
1: yeah, I, I definitely get those questions a lot about, you know, should I be putting my money, my under, money under the pillow? And it's a great question, right? Mm. Because the idea of having this store of funds available, and it's kind of like flight money, I want to I call it. You know, I feel comfortable because I've got this money that's there so that when the rest of the world goes kaboom, which seems to be a lot of people's opinion, um, that I've got something that's accessible and it's ready to go and I can afford to, to you know, barter for a bit of food or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, what that really does is it puts me at risk for inflation um, and inflation is the rising cost of living. And so um, I think cash is king, right? We talk about a lot about cash being king. I need to have money. I need it readily accessible to me to do the things that I want to do. Um, but I need to understand the, that risk factor, that inflation factor, that increasing cost of living Um in more recent months and years, we've seen inflation at extremely high levels. So we've seen them at six and seven percents where the long-term average might be somewhere around two and a half and three percent. So with rising inflation, that increasing cost of living, what we're really talking about is if I was to buy a loaf of bread, you know, 10 years ago, it might've cost me a dollar. $2. $2. And now it might be costing me 5 or $6. Or if you have to buy gluten-free be- bread like I need to for my son, it's $7.50 for a <laughs> loaf and that's, <laughs> that's a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but inflation just really means that the economy is continu- t- continuing to move ahead. So we're making more and more money and therefore the goods and services that we're paying for are more expensive today than where they were previously. Um, this can be particularly hard for money that's in the bank though, uh, because if inflation is running um, at a high level, five, six, seven percent, and my money in the bank has traditionally over the, over the more recent years been earning zero, 1%, um, it's actually going backwards in real terms. So my, my money at the bank tomorrow is worth less than what it was today in a period where inflation is running at higher rates than what interest is paying me on that money.
0: Yeah so really it's it's good for people to start thinking about well how much cash do I actually need to be in the bank and what's the purpose of this and this can be really difficult because really it should be your emergency funds that you want to access at any point in time for those just in case moments and that's different for everybody, depending on your circumstances. Yeah, and I was
1: just going to ask you, how, how much is emergency funds is right? How much do you have is usually the question, right?
0: Yeah, exactly right. Or, you know, how much do you see other people keep in emergency funds? And, and really, it has to come down to your own um, personal decisions. So you can't really give too much direction on what that should be. But just think about, you know, what's going to be a little bit too much, perhaps. Yeah. Um, because just like you're saying, with those risks of inflation and your money not working hard for you, um, and that's probably the balance between do we keep more cash or do we pay down our debt. I yeah. think first of all you've got to make sure that your cash reserves are catered for. Yeah. That's really important. And then perhaps anything in addition to that can start adding to either your lifestyle, your debt repayment, your goal funding, all of those sorts of things. So
1: Yeah, and I think um in there too, you know how much is right for one person and another is is completely different, but um, there are different factors that will dictate how how much needs to be readily available. So, if I have two people and they're the same age and they earn the same amount of income and have the same amount of living expenses, but one of them has income protection and the other doesn't, good point. You know, mm. I I would expect that you don't need to hold as much in reserve for things like. I don't have a job tomorrow because I've had an injury and I've you know, broken my leg playing soccer <laughs> um, if I've got some income protection in place. Um, or conversely, if I have young kids and I've, I've, I don't, maybe I don't have private health insurance or something like that in place, you know, I, I might mm-hmm. want a higher level of reserves. But, but you're absolutely right. It, it, how much is too much to have in the bank account then?
0: Well, I think if we speak an absolute maximum level, I think we have to think about what is the government going to cover you for in the first instance. So if you've got any more than $250,000 in cash, you know, not, lots of people wouldn't have that, but for those people that do, anything above that is at risk. So if that bank goes down tomorrow, the government's only going to cover you for 250000 So really, that would definitely be an excess. Mm.
1: And um, is that, that 250000 is that... Sorry, am I 250000 or if I have a joint bank account... Is it, is it our 250000 It's
0: actually 250000
1: each. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I can have half a million dollars. Yes. Just, just laying around. Yes. Yeah, like we all do. Hey? Yeah. And if <laughs> anything happens, the government will give you it back.
0: <laughs> i leave it there.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that's a really good point, though, because the government guarantee, um, I think, is overlooked and it's something that – it shows that the government has a really strong opinion of financial um, our financial system and the fact that they're willing to, to – back the banks um, and say, well, if if your funds aren't there tomorrow because the bank's no longer there, we'll cover that.
0: That's right. And I think ever since the global financial crisis as well, the banks have to increase their um, capital adequacy that they have. So, you know, it's less likely to happen as it has done in the past. So your is pretty safe in cash, <laughs> is what I would say. Um, but Tanil, perhaps we talk about some of the things that for those people that do have to have a certain amount of cash in their bank account, what are some of the ways that they can maximise their cash that they're keeping?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, first of all, I'll, I'll switch gears just a little bit about um, how you can extract a little bit of extra return from cash. So from money in the bank, there's... Uh, And we're just talking a little bit about financial stability of banks. And I feel like that's a really good lead in because um, there's two different ways that I can get an additional return for money in the bank. The first one is credit quality. It's a credit risk we talk about. And that's saying that if I have all of my money with a major financial institution, maybe one of the big four banks, I would expect that they will actually pay me less in interest than... A bank that has a lower credit quality, so maybe a uh, 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 you know credit credit union, small credit union, small financial institution that's providing bank accounts, um, and that's just saying that if I'm if I'm going to be at a bit more risk, that that financial institution doesn't have the runs on the boards, they need to pay me a higher level of interest, and conversely, that happens with loans too. So you might see that really good loan rates are being offered by um, some of the smaller financial institutions and they need to do that because they have to attract consumers to want to want to put their money there. Um, So that's that's the first side of it the credit quality. The second part of it comes from what we call maturity risk and this is one that I think is probably more well known by people and this is just saying that if I put all of my money in a cash at call bank I bank account, I'm not going to earn a lot of interest from it, or I shouldn't assume that I'm going to earn a lot of interest from it because the bank's giving me the full access to have that money when whenever I want it. Um, if I give the bank more time to do something with those funds, because the, the bank has the ability to earn money on your money. <laughs> um, and I, I think maybe if we think through the logic of that, so I put $10,000 in the bank and what can the bank go and do with that? Well, nothing if it's at call because they have to make that readily available to me. But if I put it in an online savings account or I put it in a term deposit, maybe I put it in a term deposit for six months, that gives the bank six months to go and lend my money to somebody else. And maybe they're getting, you know, 7% from a business at the moment for business lending and they might pay me 4.5% for my term deposit or something like that. You can see the bank makes the money there, but I can also... Uh, benefit from that because I'm using maturity risk and saying the longer I give the financial institution my money for, the more interest that they have to pay me for that privilege.
0: Mm -hmm. So what we're saying is there's really three ways that you can hold your cash. So at call, in an online savings account or in a term deposit. And you still got to think about what's going to be right for you in each of those different options with your cash, because of course, one of the risks you're saying is a maturity risk with a term deposit. If you need emergency cash funds and you've got it in a term deposit, um, you're going to have to break that term yeah. and therefore get a lower return for doing so. Um, so perhaps, you know, that's something for people to think about that if you are going to need it at an unknown point in time, then that might not be the best way to to structure your, your capital.
1: That's right. And I think you'll have, there's some sophisticated investors out there that might be thinking about different things like bonds and fixed interest. And there's, you know, there's a whole world of, of cash available out there. Um and that's a, that's a segment for another day. Um, <laughs> but uh, we just want keep it, to keep it really simply to uh, money that's that call in a, in a normal
0: bank account that you're using there. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And I think something really important to say around, you know, how can you maximise your cash is just paying attention because um, a lot of people, especially over the past couple of years when everyone's gone, oh, well, interest rates are so low, I'm not even really looking at what my bank's giving me. Um, if you don't pay attention, you can really be losing out. I'll give you one example. Um, someone had over a million dollars in their bank account and just a normal cash account. Hadn't paid attention to it, um, and the return on the interest was around about zero point four percent. So if you think about the difference of zero point four percent to perhaps four percent now on an interest earning bank account, um, is a huge chunk. Um, so you're really missing out if you're not paying attention. To Absolutely. what's out there to offer. That's yeah.
1: right, and and that makes sense even at the at the smaller end of the spectrum too. You know, even if it's just ten thousand dollars. That you're missing out on on let's call it four hundred dollars a year. Um, four hundred dollars a year is probably covering me for what Ergon <laughs> increased That's their prices by last <laughs> year, or <laughs> my rates, how much they're going up by. So it, that, those are some really good ways to get some wins out of cash. And and if we bring this back to the the rising cost of living, it absolutely correlates to go well. If I am now in a period where interest rates have risen, I should take that advantage and I should get my money working as hard as possible for me. Because because I'm working hard um, and my costs are going going up and if I can get my cash doing a little bit of that, that heavy lifting for me, then that's going to put me in
0: much better stead. Yeah, 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 that's absolutely right. So for those people that are going, well, I know that I've got this emergency number now and I've got that aside um, or, or maybe not, but I've also got the debt hanging over my head and I can see the interest rate going up, mm-hmm. I can see the repayments going up. What can we do to improve that yeah. in this type of environment? Because it is a bit of a double whammy at the moment.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. Um, there's there's definitely a few things there. So first of all, I'm going to assume we're talking about something that's a that's what we would ha- label in the financial world, world as bad debt, um, and bad debt doesn't mean that I shouldn't have it because it has an existence, right? Bad debt means I am not getting a tax deduction for it. It's not for investment purposes. So this is this is personal debt, things like buying a home, buying a car, um, you know, th- upgrades to, to to the family home, travels, those sorts of things. So those kinds of debt um, are typically the focus for being paid down first um, and then they don't attract a tax deduction for me. So how can I maybe use some of the funds that I've already got to help me with that that method, first of all, is to go, well, um, maybe we'll use an offset account. So if I've got a home loan, does my bank um, or the mortgage broker that I'm working with, do they give me the option to be able to put a, an offset account in place? And, and what an offset account simply does is says that if I have you know, $100,000 on, on a home loan and I've got $10,000 in a bank account. If I put that 10000 to an offset, the $10,000 worth of that loan will not have interest payable for the period that I've got the money in the offset account for. So that can be a really big interest saving, particularly when we go back to that idea of the fact that the bank's are lending out at typically higher than what they're paying us. Um, Because if I can earn even four and a half percent in a term deposit, but maybe I'm paying five and a half percent on a home loan. So now we're talking about what's that differential between what you can earn and what you have to pay the bank. And if you have to pay the bank more, well, maybe I should be putting some money in an offset account. Um, Offsets are, are really good for the purpose of, of paying down the interest. But um, sometimes there's there's the disadvantages that come with it of if I've, if I've got it there, I've, I might access it
0: mm-hmm. more quickly than I should. And I'm sure you've probably seen that, Kels. Absolutely. And I think some of the ways that people try and mm, reduce this being so readily available by being in an act called bank account sometimes um, is to actually pay the loan down and have that capital then yeah. sit in there as redraw. Um, but not every loan offers a redraw facility as well. So Yeah,
1: and I see that check. some of them, uh, they, they operate more differently these days too where they're starting to take back some of that redraw. So previously, you know, if I had 30,000 redraw, I had, I had that money available. But a lot of the banks have um, changed the way they view that and kind of go, well, over time, your redraw is actually reducing at a, at a higher rate, you know, that's with right. the loan pay down.
0: That's yeah. right. So you've definitely got to be careful about you know what you do in that space and understand how your loan um, is set out. Um, but is there anything, you know, that perhaps people can do to reduce the interest rate?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The first thing is actually asking for something better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so instead of just assuming that the bank's got my best interest at heart, just go and, and have a chat with them, you know, go have a look online first of all, see what the rates are looking like. Um, pick up the, the phone. There's a lot of online savings accounts that offer these introductory rates, these honeymoon rates for three months, four months or whatnot. Um, but, I've seen a lot of cases where um, you might see an online saving account and think, okay, that's probably going to be earning a couple of percent. And then you have a look and go, oh, no, it's earning nothing. And the reason for that is they took an introductory rate and then they left it there. And when it came outside of that introductory rate, it might have dropped from 1% back to Mm 0.05 and then it 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 was never looked at again so just asking the bank just telling them look I've got this money here what's the best terms that you can offer me and if they say they're going to give you an introductory rate for four months just put a put an item in your phone a calendar item in there and just say in four months time I'm going to pick up the phone I'll have the same conversation yeah Um, they they want to do what's right by you but they're not going to unless you ask
0: (laughs) that's right and I think we've actually seen quite a bit of success with that with people going back and just simply asking the question of you know can you do any better than what we than what we've got, and Absolutely. the bank will then try and come to the table to give you something better where, where possible. So mm. the old age story, if you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> yes.
1: And it's the same is true for, for the lending side of things as well. So again, just ask the bank for a reduction to your home loan rate or your personal loan rate, whatever it is you've got. Mortgage brokers are absolutely worth their weight in gold because Definitely. you can get them to do all that heavy lifting for you. So, you know, be in contact with them and go, is this what's best for me? Every time. The, the other thing is, the RBA changes interest rates and they do it regularly. And we've seen that through all these interest rate rises we've had in the more recent year. Um, so each month when they when that announcement comes out, if you notice that the interest rate's going up, you can uh, you, you can probably assume that your home loan rate's going to go up as well yeah. um, or whatever type of loan you've got. Now, do you have to accept that full rate rise? possibly no because you can go back and ask ask the bank to do something better or you can look at refinancing it across with a with another bank with a mortgage broker now you know refinancing has some pros and cons and maybe you can talk about what are what are some of the things that people should think about when they're refinancing? Else, yeah,
0: of course. So if you're if you're going to refinance, it's a really good way to actually get your repayments reduced because you're effectively saying I'm going to start again and increase the term of the loan that you've got. Um, but of course, that's going to take you a lot longer to pay out mm. because you're effectively starting again. And if you're you know at, at a certain age and retirement's going to be coming in fifteen years perhaps, but you've rescheduled to another thirty year repayment term Mm, that's a bit of a risk um, because you don't really want to be carrying those sorts of things into your retirement years.
1: Absolutely Um, yeah having it having it paid out on the same time frame as your goals yeah definitely great idea. That's right Um, and and I suppose uh, another thing that we um, we spoke a little earlier on about having that emergency those emergency funds so um, maybe another way of thinking about it too is um, do I actually need this much cash Available in in pure cash funds, or if I do have redraw that's available on a loan somewhere on a personal personal home loan or something like that, could I consider that these are some of my emergency funds? Because maybe I'm looking at it going, okay, I I, I want to have six months available of my living expenses, um, which might be thirty or forty thousand dollars um, ready to go. But thirty or forty thousand dollars in a cash account that's not doing a lot for me may be better served, like you were talking about earlier, in that home loan um, in, in redraw, um, saying that I, I don't intend on taking it, but if I want to, it's there. So there's also something to be said for the discipline around paying down debt. And, um, I think at people, people work in different ways, right? So some people work really well with, um, having cash funds there and having savings and buckets of income and all of that. And others will use those funds. Um, and so maybe a strategy of paying down debt and thinking I can draw back from the debt if I have to, but but my logic in my brain is telling me that I don't really want to do that. So I'll probably keep it there.
0: Yeah, that's um, absolutely right. So uh, really, I guess to summarise all the, the tips that we spoke about today is probably to assess your own um emotional behaviours around money and how disciplined you are as to what strategy you might uh, employ. Think about your emergency funds that you do need and, and what's the purpose and the intent of that. Um, pay attention to both your interest rate on on your home loans and, and ask if you can do better. Um, pay attention to the interest rate on your cash that you've got in your bank account and if it could be structured in, in a slightly different way. So hopefully you found um, those tips useful today and that's us for another podcast. And if you do like our content, please don't forget to subscribe subscribe share and like and join us again next time where we discuss all things health wealth and financial happiness
1: the opinions of the presenters are objectively ascertainable and are not intended to be financial product or personal advice